today. We're going to get into the Word here in just a few moments, but we do love God, and we do love people. Amen? Amen. Amen. We do. So, um, hey, so this is kind of, I, I don't always get to wish everybody a happy birthday. We've had several this week. Brad's birthday was this week. Macy's was this week. Woo, Macy. Was it like 16? Sweet 16. Oh, by the way, Macy, we didn't get to make it uh, Friday night because we had something going on, but I have a card for you real quick. This is just from us. So, And today is Jennifer Hillman's 48th birthday. I mean, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's her birthday <laughs> today. So, Those are just the ones that I'm aware of. So if you had a birthday this past week, happy birthday. And if you're going to have one this week, happy birthday. But no, Jennifer is not going to be 48. Eight years old. Yeah, absolutely, Jennifer. So, well, we are going to get into the sermon here in just a few moments. But um, I do thank Dwayne. Thank you. These flowers up here are for Miss B, and I'm going to get a little emotional because we love her and we miss her. But this Friday, this Thursday, I am flying to Boston. I've been working on that, Lori. I am flying to Boston. Miss B is going to be laid to rest beside of her husband up there. And uh, he was in the military, and so he um, is buried in the National Cemetery, so she will be laid to rest right beside of him. So I just continue to pray for the family, pray, pray for the travel. I think, uh, Lori, you and the kids are going up Wednesday. I'll be headed up Thursday, and I'll be back uh, Friday night. So um, just continued prayers for the family. She's, she's an amazing lady. Absolutely she was. And so we're going to miss her, but we thank God for having known her. Well, we're talking about loving others to wholeness, and again, I think that's appropriate. We saw Wednesday night, uh, Friday night while we were at the funeral service, just heard so many stories, not only just in the messages that were brought, but just in people who were coming through the lines who heard how Miss B loved people. But, you know, that's our call as well, to love people. And so as we're continuing through this series, Love Others to Wholeness, we know that this year Foursquare has dedicated to the fact that Jesus Christ is our healer. Those are the four um, I guess you'd say pillars that we have. Jesus Christ is our Savior, baptized with the Holy Spirit. He's our healer, and He's our soon-coming King. So we're taking this year to talk about loving others to, to wholeness. And just thank you for the way you love people. Thank you for ministering. Thank you for reaching out, um, ministering not just here, but outside the walls of the church. That's where it's really, really important, too. And I know yesterday, Dean was down at Grace Covenant. There was a missions conference that was uh, going on down there, and so... Um, Lots of good things happening. Lots of good things. So, um, One of our core values, we love God, we commit to love other people. And so this year, each week, we're going to have a different memory verse. How's everybody doing? You don't have to necessarily say it out loud, but I hope you're taking the challenge to uh, memorize these, these memory verses. Actually, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, normally, I'll start today memorizing this week's memory verse. Well, last week, just, you know, it was a little, the schedule was mis, mis uh just arranged a little bit differently, and so I didn't actually get to start memorizing till like late Tuesday, early Wednesday. I pulled it out, and I started to write it down, began to memorize it, but what I had done, because I had just started preparing for my message, is I remembered this memory verse instead of last week, so I had to go back and try to remember that one too, but I want to encourage you, again, if, if New Living Translation, if you memorize better in that, if you memorize better in New King James or King James or NIV, you know, Whatever you memorize well, take those versions and memorize the scriptures that we're going through. So this week is going to be up here on the screen, and I want us all to say it loud and proud. So will you read it with me? It says, but those who drink the water I give 
will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Now, I think you can memorize that one. Last week's was a little bit longer. This week's a little bit shorter, so I, I think you guys can, can handle this, and um, I think you can handle last week's, too. So what if you say, well, you know what, I haven't even started memorizing. Well, start was four years old. He memorized Philippians 4, 6, and 7 at four years old. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and suffocation, is how he memorized it. You remember me telling that before? By prayer and suffocation, actually supplication, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. A four-year-old was able to do that, so I think we can, we can memorize these scriptures and uh, hide his word in our hearts so that we don't sin against him. Today we want to talk about the well. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4. It wasn't too long ago that we talked about the woman at the well. Her story comes up quite often because I think we can identify, maybe not necessarily with her lifestyle, but the place in life where she was. Um, just a place of not having satisfaction, um, on a road that wasn't a good road for her, and, and I think we can identify with that. So we want to talk about her again today. But what we're going to see within the life of this lady is uh, a thing called fulfillment. We all face a desire for, for, for fulfillment, right? In one way or the other, we want to be fulfilled in life. Maybe it's in our relationships, not necessarily just the romantic, you know, husband and wife type of relationships, but those, of course, uh, even our friendships. Uh, money, we want fulfillment in our finances. Can I get an amen on that? You know, we do. We want to be blessed. We want to hopefully be blessed so we can bless where we are right now, but maybe we look at where we are as a particular stepping stone to the next thing. Um, so that's possible to happen. Uh, desireful fulfillment in the area of food. Now, come on, somebody. That's what I'm talking about, you know. Bring on the cheeseburgers and the Krispy Kreme donuts, and we are happy people. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit later this year about our nutrition. Well, what does that have to do with the Bible? Well, we're going to find that out. Um, I told First Service that when we were at the missions conference, George Klein you know, we all have a great relationship with George, and so there's certain people in your life, they can look at you, and they can correct you, and you're like, yes, sir. Well, George Klein is one of those people, and so uh, we all made a commitment while we were there. We we're going to eat healthy that week, and I'm taking that, um, trying to do better, because I want to eat healthy, because he, he challenged us. He said, I'm 75 years old today. This was George. I'm 75 years old, and I've just renewed my contract till I'm 90 years old to serve with Foursquare. And then in five years, I want to renew it until I'm 100. And the only way I'm going to do that is if I take care of myself. So there was one guy, he picked up a little cup of M&Ms, and he was eating it, and he said, I, I'm just going to use you, Robin, since you're on the second row. That's the way it works. He said, put that down. You won't be here next week? Okay. <laughs> she won't be on the second row next week. He said, put that down. It's going to kill you. That's strong, isn't it? Uh, be people of wholeness. So we, we look for fulfillment. We, we just, we do. We look for fulfillment. And so, um, Jennifer, I hope you're having birthday cake today because I'm coming over. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, once those desires are met, we want to move on to the next desire. Another relationship. Again, I'm not necessarily talking about romantic relationships, but it could involve that. You know, husband and wife, all those type of things. Um, friendships. Um, more money, right? I mean, 
who doesn't want a raise where you are? But it seems like just more, more, more. Uh, move on to the next career. We want more food. Thank God for buffets. You know, we even, we even say things like that. All around you, there are people searching for something. They're searching for fulfillment, true love, uh, material things, whatever it may be. They're, they're searching. As a matter of fact, I'm going to meddle just a little bit, okay? Sometimes pastors like to meddle in your stuff and your affairs and in your life and the things that you do and all that. But look at our movies. I want to, I want to warn you to watch some of the things or be careful of some of the things that you watch because some of the things that we watch cause husbands not to be satisfied with their wives and wives to not be satisfied with their husbands. I'm getting real. Is that Okay. Let's be close to the things that we should not be seeing. Be careful of those things because it, 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 stirs, it breeds within us an area to not be content with the gift that God has given us. Job said this, I have made a covenant with my eye that I will not look with lust upon a young woman. Okay, I'm getting real here just for a moment. We're about to back off, all right? But um, just... Be careful of those things. Even, you know, even some of the TV shows, um, and I love, who, who does not love HGTV? You get to watch Home Improvement, you know. It's great to get ideas, but I want to be careful that I'm not like, wow, I need a bigger, I need, I need more of this, I need more of that. You see what I'm saying? It's a heart thing. It's not necessarily, you, you can have a fine home, you can have a wonderful car, all these type of things. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about within, when, within our soul, we can't be satisfied in the Lord. We're looking for other things. So is that clear? Does everybody you hear what I'm saying today? I love nice things and, you know, praise God for them. Where's my heart? You and I have the answer for true fulfillment. We have the ability to lead people to wholeness. We have the answer for the emptiness that people are facing. But we have to have our emptiness fulfilled by Jesus, first of all. We have to know where that, as we'll see in just a moment, where that fountain of life is coming from. 2,000 years ago, this story is over 2,000 years old that we're about to talk about, but it's still very uh, relevant uh, today. The story talks about talks about racism, prejudice, a decline in morality. You know, let me stop here just for a moment. This week, I think we were all pretty disappointed with the legislatures in the state of New York. I think we were really mad. I think no matter which side of the aisle, left or right, liberal, um, conservative, on both sides, there was a lot of irritation and frustration this week when, when the legislature said that abortion is okay up until the day before the child is born. That made a lot of people mad, right? Made a lot of people. Yes, absolutely, it ought to make us mad. But you know, that's not a new problem. King Herod, back in the time of Jesus, had all mothers who had babies. I'm not going to get too graphic here, but mothers who had babies in their bellies. He, took, he, he wiped them out. This is not a new problem. So this story talks about racism, prejudice, decline in morality, the longing for love. One thing I do want to bring up, there were several states also this week that passed the heartbeat law. Amen. And I thank God for those states. I thank God for those. That's the one that says when there's a heartbeat, you're not going to abort the baby. It's not going to happen. So praise God for that. Yeah, that's still an issue. In 2000, is this 19? 2019. <laughs> I've struggled with that. Sorry. 
not with women in society, but with what year it is. So let's look at this for a moment. Let's look at some areas where Jesus brings wholeness. First of all, Jesus brings wholeness to defeat prejudice. You know, racist individuals are not whole people. God wants us to be careful of that because we have issues in our hearts. And it's not necessarily just a color thing. It could be somebody who lives on the other side of the tracks. It could be some folks who are really rich or some folks who are really poor. It can go any way. It's not always a skin color thing. It's not always even a culture thing. It can have many different faces. So Jesus brings wholeness to defeat prejudice. And so I'm asking God to expose those areas in my life. And I'm asking him to expose those areas in your life as well so that we can love everybody, no matter what. No matter what they've done, no matter what we perceive they have done. Lord, help us. John 4, verse 3. So we'll pick up there and go through verse 6. Let me get there because for some reason I'm in the book of Psalms. (laughs) John chapter 4. The good thing is, like I said before, I have all my pages marked because I know where I'm going. John chapter 4, verse 3, So he left Judea and returned to Galilee, a field that uh, Jacob gave his son Joseph. Jacob's well was uh, there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat down wearily beside the well about noontime. So I want to talk about Jesus' journey here for a moment. He's on his way, and um, he has two ways that he can go. He can go the shortest route, which is directly north, or he could take the good Jew route, which goes around Samaria because Jews don't like Samaritans. The direct route takes two and a half days. That's a long time, isn't it? They walked then um, and because, you know, cars weren't there. So they had to go straight up, and they had to walk two and a half days. If they went this way, it took five days of walking. But they were so prejudiced against a group of people that they were willing to go around. Let me illustrate what that sounds like today. It was about, depending on where they were in in relation, it was about 70 to 90 miles, something like that. So here's how I illustrate it. Depending on where you take off in Mooresville, if we were to go to Mount Airy, that's about 66 to 70 miles, depending on where you're going. So, but because we are good Christians and we don't like the people of Statesville, We're not going to go through Statesville, which would take us straight up 77 to get to Mount Airy. But we don't like those people. So we are willing to go over to Concord, through High Point, and then through Winston-Salem, just so, well, actually on your side, just so that we can get to Mount Airy, to take double the time because we don't like the Statesville people. <laughs> it's so true, Danny. It is so true. She said, we don't like you either. Actually, I love you guys. You guys are awesome. But that was the mindset of the day. They were willing to take five days instead of two and a half because they wanted to avoid a group of people. They took that alternate route there. Their prejudice ran so deep that they were willing to double their effort, to double their time to avoid these people. Well, let's look at uh, verse 7 here to see how this story keeps going on. And we're going to go through verse 9. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have any things to do with Statesville, I mean, Samaritans. <laughs> she said, I'm sorry, she said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. 
why are you asking me for a drink? See, a Jew should never be seen with a Samaritan in this particular culture, much less a woman who was a Samaritan. She had two thoughts. Jesus was the height of righteousness. He had no sin. But we're going to discover that this Samaritan woman was living in sin. So you have even that opposite end of the spectrum. Judaism oppressed women. Secularism today depresses women because it forces them into a man's mold. So really, Jesus was the original women's liberator. Thank God for Jesus. Now, when I say women's liberator, there's a negative connotation to that, too, because there was a movement that came around that said, I don't need no man. You know what? That's not what we're talking. Well, I just did that, didn't I? <laughs> Thank God we don't video our services uh, in that sense. So we're not talking about that kind of women's liberation because God has, you know, he's given us his gifts to one another, right? Praise God for that. Jesus sets women free to be who God created them to be and to minister. Can I get an amen, ladies? Men, can I get an amen? Men, can I get a strong amen? amen? Thank God for women and their ministry. Jesus should have left when the woman came to the well, according to culture, because it was a Samaritan woman. But he didn't. He remained Jews and half-Gentiles. They weren't even, quote, full-blooded anything. Do you see the, just the nastiness of that? Their religion was a little bit of Judaism mixed with idolatry. In fact... The Samaritans built their own temple for worship because they didn't want to go to Jerusalem to worship where, where God was being worshipped there. The Jews saw Samaritans as polluters of their religion. Jews hated Samaritans more than they hated Gentiles. Now, Gentiles were people who didn't know God. They were just completely lost. Samaritans were a little bit lost. Jews were completely lost. They hated Samaritans more than they hated the Gentiles. We're talking about the people of God here who hated. Lord, let it not be so among your people today. Don't let us harbor any uh, hatred in our heart toward anybody, even people from Boston. Right? The whole north and south, Lord, help us. We love to have fun with that, don't we? We do. We do have fun with that. Jesus was, uh, I'm sorry, the woman was so surprised when Jesus spoke to her based upon her race, loving her and ministering to her, and Jesus is saying, you shouldn't either. Where people are needing hope, no matter who they are, whether it be someone of the opposite sex, someone of a different skin color, someone of a different culture, someone on this side of the track, someone on that side of the tracks, be open and willing to minister to people. I'm going to quickly brag on Allison real quick. I don't know who she picked up this morning, but there was a lady walking, and Allison stopped her car. Society says, don't stop your car and pick up people. That was another lady, so, you know, there was some wisdom that was there too, right? Use wisdom. She gave her a ride because it was cold this morning. Be willing to help somebody. Secondly, Jesus brings wholeness to sinners, not the righteous. So what do I mean by that? The righteous were those 
religious leaders who thought they were better than everyone else because they had no sin. So in other words, it was people like me, the, the priests, I'm, I'm not a priest, but the priests, the pastors of the day who thought, God has called me, he's chosen me, I have a license, I have a BTH, Bachelor of Theology, behind my name. I studied four years, and so I'm, I'm better than you. you know. Essentially, that's what they were doing. I know I just made that a little silly, but essentially, that is what they were doing. They even made prayers that say, God, I thank you that I'm not like that sinner who is over there. Jesus recorded in their own eyes. They, quote, had no sin. Keep your place right here in John and turn with me to Luke chapter 5. We're going to look in verse 31. I want to read you a scripture, what Jesus felt about this, and then, then we'll go back to the book of John there. So hold your place in John. But Luke 5, 31 and verse 32. Jesus answered them, Healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, you see that phrase there, who think they are righteous, um, but those who know that they are sinners and need to repent. That's who Jesus was coming for. Because essentially, yes, he wanted the righteous people to recognize their depravity and the fact that they needed Jesus. So yes, Jesus did. I mean, he wanted them <clears throat> to come to repentance as well. But at, <clears throat> excuse me, at the end of the day, he called... <clears throat> hold on just My mom brings me like four bottles of water. <clears throat> and so I'm going to use a whole bottle of water now. Hold on just a moment. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right. So let's get back. Not to the, Yeah, everybody's like, <clears throat> that's horrible. Um, not to those who thought they were righteous. So what we just read here is that Jesus came to them. And you probably do this too. Um, I want to encourage you to do it more because this morning I was just thinking about it and I want to do this more on my own. But when I'm getting ready in the morning, I am taking on an attitude of repentance. Lord, yesterday, man, I kind of blew it in how I thought about Doug, Patty. Just spent a bunch of time in paradise and didn't take us with her sitting on the beach. I didn't think about her very nicely. Welcome home, Patty. Um, the way that my mother-in-law looked at me, I didn't like that too much. We take on this attitude, so what I'm oh Lord, this thought that I had that was not pleasing to you. And so I'm taking on this attitude of repentance throughout the day, but really in the morning as I'm getting ready to go because I want to be someone that is as much as possible free from sin so that the life of God can flow through me without hindrance. So I want to encourage you in that. On a daily basis, live a life of confession of sin and repentance before God. Jesus came to those who would confess that they are sinners. See, Jesus saw this woman's mask when she walked up to the well, um, which... Another interesting, carrying this big pail that have to carry all the way back because she didn't want to go to the center of town because the people knew the type of sin that she was committing. Sin will take us out of the way, won't it? And Jesus was there and he essentially welcomed her. Something that had not happened. He saw the mask that she was wearing and he began to minister 
we are surrounded by these people every day who are wearing masks. Aren't we? Maybe it's even us. From time to time, we're wearing masks because we don't want, I don't want you to know the thoughts that I'm thinking. I don't want you to see the sins that I've committed. So I'm going to come to church and I'm going to have a smile on my face and I'm going to be bubbly and excited because I don't want you to see what's going on in my heart. We do that, don't we? And Jesus is saying, you know what? I see what's in your heart and I want to bring you to wholeness. I don't want to leave you where you are to where you feel like you have to have that mask. We're surrounded by these people. Jesus brings wholeness to the sinners, not the righteous. And here's what I love about this. He takes a sinner and God sees us through the lens of Jesus and now we are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Thank you, God, for that. Not our own righteousness. Number three, Jesus brings wholeness to those who remain at the well. And says, Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. See, the lady didn't run off and neither did Jesus. He remained there because he had a gift for her that he was about to give her that would offer the fulfillment she had been longing for. You know, when people come to you, when you go to people, you have the answer of what people are looking for that will give you and give them fulfillment. Money cannot buy that sense of satisfaction, that you are fulfilled because God loves you. I want you to think about that for a moment. God loves you, even when you're wearing the mask. God loves you. You, even when you've sinned for the umpteenth time, God loves you. The woman remained at the well. My encouragement is, church, let's not leave the well. What is the well? It's where we receive refreshing. In fact, stay by the well and minister at the well. The well is wherever God has placed you. And Jesus is the well that offers living water to you and to those who come to you. God is saying, don't run. Stay there, Jesus. He goes with you wherever you go. You're about to leave church here shortly, and you're about to go into your mission field. See, Dean and Rachel, I'm not sure if you were both there yesterday, but um, we're, we're sending missionaries on the mission field. You're a missionary. It just so happens that you're Mission field is Mooresville, is Statesville, is Concord, is Salisbury, or wherever you are. You travel a lot. Malou has a bunch of mission fields where she goes. Washington, California, all the different places. Take your mission field, take your well with you. Are you tired of staying there at the well? Stay there. Don't leave. Don't leave. All right. What I want us to look at now is point number four. Jesus brings wholeness to the cynical heart. Now, this is good as well. We're going to talk about cynicism. You know cynical people. Maybe you are one at times. I've been a cynical person at times. The real thirst of the woman was to overcome the dissatisfaction that she faced in life. And as we're about to read this, you're going to hear the cynicism in her responses because she's still not fulfilled. And because she's not fulfilled, her heart 
has grown very cynical. Maybe that's been you to come to Jesus and, and they haven't gotten saved yet and you become cynical. Um, you're, you're praying for uh, a career move or more finances or this or that and it hasn't happened and you become cynical. That's what we're talking about. At these times, we've ceased to look to God for fulfillment and we look to things or people and it's just not happening. Listen to the cynicism here in verse 11 of John 4. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? There's cynicism in there. You know, he's talking about living water. What does he even mean? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? See, her dissatisfaction led to cynicism. Our dissatisfaction, the folks that we're ministering to, their dissatisfaction can lead to cynicism. Often the people that frustrate us the most because they do this or they do that, they've lived dissatisfied lives, they become cynical, and we don't like it, and so we judge. And it happens with us too. We become cynical, and you know what? People don't like us because of that as well. Dissatisfaction can lead to cynicism towards parents, towards a friend, towards a calling, towards a career, towards different people, and even towards God. It's a dangerous place to be. And I think we've all been there, okay? So I'm not pointing fingers. We, we've all been at that place. Lord, will you heal our hearts and bring wholeness to our cynicism? May we be satisfied in you. Point number five, Jesus brings wholeness to those who will drink from him. Verse 13 of John 4, and Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. He's talking about the water that was in the well where she had just come. Verse 14, but those who drink from the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Her cynicism has turned to hope. Her cynicism has turned to maybe there is an answer. Church, we have the answer and we have the hope to give people. Amen? We do. We do. The water that she was referring to, however, was the stagnant water that sat in the well. You know, just water in a well just kind of sits there. Um, for the first time in our married life, uh, we live in a place where there is a well. Our, we have well water, and I, but it does. It just kind of sits there. All the rain that we've had has filled our well up, I'm sure. I don't know because I can't see it because it's underground, right? Don't have to worry about it running out for quite some time because of all the rain. But Jesus was not referring to water that just sat in a big cistern type of thing. He was talking about the use of water that he used was bubbling water that gushes up from a spring. You ever been in the mountains and seen that before? Just this gushing water that comes out, it's bubbling. That's what Jesus is talking about. This woman had met the fountain of life who was Jesus. And the water that she was going to drink from him was gushing, bubbling water. When you walk into a room, 
the room lights up because Miss Cheryl just walked into the room, and the room just lights up because she's full of life. Miss B had the same effect whenever she walked into the room. <laughs> I would remember on Wednesday nights, her and her sister Lori would come in, and we would be getting ready to pray and all these things, and just the whole room lit up because they're laughing the whole way down the aisle, and I loved it because the joy of the Lord was their strength. Even when she was coming in with an oxygen tank, in the last couple of years, it was this fountain of life. When we know Jesus, there's this fountain of life. When we know Jesus, he satisfies a hope and a joy that exudes because we understand who our source is. And I'm not looking to my bank account. I've got to be wise with that, but I'm not looking to that to bring me joy. You know, as much as I love my wife, she brings me great joy, but I'm not looking to her for joy. She's not looking to me for joy. We both look to God who gives us joy. And because of that, I love our marriage. We have so much fun. We laugh. We cry. We just look to Jesus to satisfy you in every area of your life. And it will affect every other area that you have as well. This next thing here, people live dissatisfied lives because they don't know the gift of God. They continue to squeeze all that they can out of life, and it doesn't satisfy. I need just a little more, and you get it. I need just a little more, and you get it. I need just a little more, you get it. But there's still not that satisfaction. Church, we see these folks every single day. And again, it could be us as well. Nothing will satisfy the human heart except for Jesus. As you go on to read this story, we'll continue this next week, but as you go on to read this story, the woman had five husbands and was living with another man at this time. The judgment that's there, there was, some, there was an area where she was not satisfied in life and she was looking to things or people. She knew what it was to not have wholeness, yet continued to look in the same places. The inner desperate thirst couldn't be quenched apart from Jesus. So here's my question as we're closing this out. Are you tired of staying at the well? God, I haven't gotten an answer yet. This is not being fulfilled. That's not being fulfilled. My encouragement to you is stay at the well. Don't leave when Jesus is there to offer you fulfillment and wholeness. Wait for him. Are you tempted to move away from the well where the needy are coming as well? God is saying, I want you to stay there even when the, quote, less than desirable are approaching you or the someone that you don't want to associate with is approaching you because you have the answer for their wholeness. Don't say someone else can do it because you can help bring wholeness. God has given you everything. What is that? Jesus. He's given you the power of His Holy Spirit to minister to other people. Don't leave the well. Remain at the well. Wherever you go, take Jesus with you. But thus giving them eternal life. Miss Vicky's going to come up and play some uh, music for us. I left quite a bit of time here at the end. Uh, we're going to get out of here early today. However, everybody's like, Woo, fulfillment at the restaurant. Come on now. Mm -hmm. You're still going to get out of here early, but 
in this mindset of, of fulfillment, we're going to take five minutes of just us and God, okay? Now, I, that's going to seem like an eternity to you, okay? Five minutes. But here, here's what I was thinking as I was doing this first service today. I thought, you know, man, we're so busy with life that when we have five minutes of silence, and of course, Miss Vicky's going to be playing in the background, but when we have five minutes of silence, we're thinking, what can I do next? <laughs> but I want us to take five minutes to go over these points and ask God, where do I need to be filled and satisfied by you?